Hello and welcome to this programme. This is the weekly protest podcast. On this week's show, we discussed sex abuse at Westminster. Will it bring down the government? And how many cabinet ministers will go before Theresa May leaves by the back door? We also talk about Brexit. Is it being discussed too much? And what issue would you bring to replace it in the running order? And finally, religion in education. Does it have a place in the modern age? This episode is titled The B Word and features the voices of Jack Wolfram, Django Barry and Thomas Jordan. So sit back, relax and enjoy today's programme. Hello, I'm Jack. Thank you very much for tuning into this podcast. This was recorded on the 14th of November 2017. And I had Django Barry and the great Thomas Jordan in the studio to talk to me. We started off by talking about the issue of the sex abuse scandal at Westminster. Here is what they had to say. So this week hasn't been a particularly good week for the party leaders. We've seen Theresa May face cabinet resignations from Michael Fallon over comments he made. We saw Jeremy Corbyn face criticism Carwin Jones, in fact, the First Minister of Wales over the dealing with the um, allegations in Wales. So do you think this scandal will be as big as the expenses scandal? Do you think it will have that much of an effect on Westminster and trust at Westminster? Um, As big as the um, expenses scandal, yes, but I don't think it will mean uh, the complete collapse of the government or either parties. Um, You know, uh, allegations, cabinet resignations is not unusual you know we had um peter mandelson who um got uh kicked out of blair's cabinet twice actually two like mm-hmm. governments basically the same one and, um over misconduct um and this week we've had two um resignations from theresa may's cabinet Pradeep patel and uh michael fallon. michael fallon yes um but uh the two issues were actually unrelated um, it it doesn't show, in my view, that there is that the time is nigh for the government. Um, in, in my view, I think uh, there's still uh, enough time, and it is affecting both parties. This um, whole sec- um, sexminster scandal is affecting both parties, in my view. Um, equally, you know, uh, the suicide of a Welsh minister is pretty big, along with two cabinet ministers resigning. So, it, will it have the same effect as the um, expenses scandal? I think in the long term, yes, because it will change attitudes at Westminster um, towards women and towards uh, behaving appropriately. But do you think, Django, that it, it affects um, the stability of the government? Because the government aren't in a particularly good spot. They've got the DUP supporting them on certain votes, like things like the budget and confidence uh, things, but other things, you know, is up for negotiation. So if we see people like uh, MPs losing the whip, who are getting the whip removed, who um, are no longer Conservative MPs, if you know what I mean, they're now in, they're sitting in independence, even if they do agree with a lot of Conservative policy, that means it's a lot more volatile for... Uh, well, the government and means that there's a risk I that mean, things may not go their way and it causes even more embarrassment. No, I wouldn't say that it's um, it, it's not uh, unstable. I mean, we haven't had a specific Conservative MP since um, 
since Grant Chaps uh, back in October, who has actually given open dissent upon the government. Uh, that was the Plymouth MP who said, um, look, Theresa May's not looking too good at the moment. Well, but as a whole, um, the DUP remains um, steadfast in their support for the um, Conservative government, um, and the cabinet as a whole is united. So I'm going to bring in Tom. Tom, do you think Theresa May is working on borrowed time at this point? Yes. But why? She's just running out of things to say. Uh, there's only so much you can do. I think what Theresa May and her government has got to remember is that a government is accountable to the people it represents. I think hopefully this scandal will put an end to MPs just doing and acting however they want. It probably won't. There's been scandals, as Django said in the past, where life just carries on as normal, unfortunately. But hopefully this time will bring some change. Yeah, that's why I believe that it's um, it will be similar to the expensive scandal in that there will be a change in the way MPs behave around um, women and um, treat uh, the people around them. Um, but... We've seen also that there has been calls for an independent uh, standard to look over, you know, code of conduct and employing of parliamentary staff. Um, like, let's say the let's take the expenses scandal. What happened? We had the uh, independent parliamentary standards authority was created to look over people's expenses claims to make sure, basically, to make sure that government and parliament wasn't um, uh, you know, measuring it itself and, um, you know, yeah, um, governing well, both, itself. Both main party leaders have both said that they um, are eager for there to be an independent judiciary on this. I think it is dangerous when we get the parties to um, judge for themselves because, as has happened in the past, um, they may um, give advice more on the career aspects of the individual, the victim, rather than actually dealing with the fact that they were mistreated. Um, so I think an independent parliamentary uh, committee, um, not committee, sorry, but um, organisation, uh, to judge code of conduct for ministers and MPs uh, would be very good and would be a good step in the right direction. So if we look, if we carry on with the um, idea of uh, government uh, cabinet resignations, well, we've seen Priti Patel fall over her uh, meetings with Israeli ministers and Benjamin Netanyahu. There's a lot of calls for Boris Johnson to go over the scandal um, with the Iranian uh, prisoner. If you don't know the uh, Iranian prisoner, she was a mother of a child and she's got a husband who is living in the UK at the moment and she was over there on holiday. Uh, she works for Reuters, the uh, journalist group, and she's been arrested uh, for allegations of um, trying to bring forward an uprising and going against the regime and uh, Boris Johnson has been uh, quoted in, in Parliament in a committee saying that she was only trying to teach journalists. Do you think that a foreign secretary should, uh, do you think a foreign secretary makes that kind of mistake? Do you think they should stay in the position of foreign secretary? Do you think he deserves to be in the government for that mistake that could even risk 
um, well, the lady I would in say, question going to prison for even longer. What I would say, Jack, is that um, the uh, it was a genuine mistake around what he did say. I'm not trying to defend that. And he, uh, Boris has come out um, since then and said, I misspoke or um, slash got the wrong pieces of information. But I read an interesting article in The Telegraph, which actually, um, there was the Iranian husband and he... Um, the kid, um, the prisoner's husband, who's in the UK, he said that actually, if Boris Johnson was to be kicked out, then it would potentially make the situation uh, worse for the um, family. So it is a difficult situation, but I think um, the the new media engagement with this um, situation is positive because um, it has now moved that situation higher up on the agenda of the Foreign Office and um, to be quite honest I think we will find I think we will see a solution come in due course So Tom how many more resignations to go before Theresa May's out? I want to I wanna guess I want you to give me how long do you think she's got? Do you think she's got to the budget? Do you think she's got a possible five years? Do you think any Conservative uh, candidate, you know, any MP do you think they have the standing to become leader of the party? I, I think she's got until the next election, to be honest. Why? Because, I mean, like, politicians can recover from these scandals. Like, as we saw with Trump, like he was accused of raping women and all that, and he went on to win the presidency. Well, like it or not, Theresa May is a very convincing person. She's a good politician. She can persuade people to can do... She? I think so. Well, she won an election, just about. Um, I think she'll last until the next election. I don't think she'll win it. Maybe they'll put in another candidate. All right, coming from a Conservative member, I can honestly say right now that uh, Theresa May, um, she, she is a good leader, and she will lead us until the next election. I don't think she will lead us into the next election. Yeah, I don't think she will. Well, there's a recent article the, um, uh, that came out on The Independent saying that there's 40 members of Parliament, Conservative members of Parliament, that are, you know, telling her that she, she might have to go soon. Yeah. Because uh, there's just scandal after scandal. Yeah, that's 14. Yeah, yeah, but it is... Um, but most ministers are, and MPs are smart enough to know that, um, you know, a lot of these scandals come from bad luck really I mean the fact that um, the sex minister scandals um, came right before like literally just before Priti Patel's um, scandal came you know that is that is quite um, unfortunate luck however it's not fully down to luck and I think um, after Brexit she'll stay a year after Brexit or so and that and it's at that point that it will um, she will be not kicked out, but a new leadership context will emerge in the Conservative Party. So that was Django Barry talking about his experiences as a Conservative member. We then moved on to the issue of Brexit. Brexit, 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 as Theresa May said. We talked about how Brexit may be discussed too much in the news media. And also, if we could be controller of any news channel and control what we put on the news what issue would we put ahead of brexit uh, and which issue do we think doesn't get enough airtime 
Excellent. So now we come over to the issue of Brexit. It seems that every single time I turn on the news, I don't know about any of you two, Brexit's always the top story with Theresa May going to summits to talk to European leaders, endless phone-ins on radio shows talking about Brexit and the effects. Do you think we are flogging a dead horse? Do you think we're talking too much about Brexit? I want to know. I'm going to start with Tom. Tom, as a rather pro-European, do you think we're talking too much about Brexit? Do you think that it's an important issue? Uh, to discuss or do you think we're really just hashing out old arguments I think it's an important issue it's an era of it's the end of an era really we've been in the European Union for quite a while and it's it's a big change I think it deserves to be talked about but I mean there's other news Brexit just seems to be something news companies fall back on if they haven't got any other stories it's just something at the back of people's minds, which is just being preyed upon by media outlets, more or less unnecessarily. There's other stories. like It's not even the effects of Brexit people are talking about. It's the same stories going around and around. Like, it's just fear-mongering, because fear-mongering well, the, Yeah, stories. there's lot, lots of talks about, um, you know, uh, negotiations. And to be honest, because negotiations aren't taking progress, all people seem to be talking about is the fact that negotiations... Uh, this negotiations that they're not particularly making much progress. Django, as a Conservative member and as someone who um, supports Brexit and kind of from the beginning uh, and you know supported a campaign to leave the European Union, do you think we're discussing Brexit too much? Um, well, I'll be completely honest. I think um, I would I would disagree that it's um, the top news story whenever I turn on the news. I'd say it's about one in seven times that it might um, be one of the top news stories. But um, truthfully. I believe that there's not enough of a diversity of opinion right now regarding Brexit. You know, um, we have uh, any any leaks that come out of the European Union regarding the um, regarding the talks are treated like gospel truth. They're treated as if this is absolutely true, even though it comes from a source that is questionable at best and. Um, are unreliable at worst and then um, when we have other opinions around Brexit surrounding Brexit then it's just um, labelled as uh, wishful thinking like for example if uh, Liam Fox goes on a show and says oh um, our prospects coming out of the European Union and getting trade deals with other nations is extremely good I then asked Tom which issue is most important to him and is close to his heart that he would put ahead of Brexit in the news running order and this is what he had to say Tom what do you see is the most important issue that we are ignoring uh, territorial integrity why explain what you mean by territorial integrity uh, we need to make sure that Britain and its borders and its airspace and its waters are protected and respected Ooh, rhymes. Uh, almost on a weekly basis I've spoken to people in the Air Force about this Russian bombers come over our airspace just not dropping any bombs or anything else that'd be like big news but they're just, they're just there just to be aggressive and whenever they come our Eurofighters go up in the sky and escort them away again but who foots a bill? it's an expensive procedure to do to conduct the high-risk operation 
which could potentially lead to a third world war if either plane is shot down. And it's happening all the time, and Brexit just overshadows it. I think we need to put ourselves back on the world stage. We need to remind the world community that Russia, and maybe in the future China, when it becomes more powerful and expands its influence, will not walk all over us. We are being trampled by weak leadership. Trampled? Yeah. Who's this weak leadership, then? The Tories. So, you, you what, what, what do you think we should do to increase ourselves on the world, make ourselves more important on the world stage? Are you not just engaging with the sycophants See, yeah. of the British, the, well, you know, of our imperialist past and you know that actually we're not actually in that position anymore and we're really I know the whole point of the question is to avoid Brexit but I think Brexit will contribute to this and I would say remind the world that we trade with who who we want we're not ruled from Brussels we're ruled from London and I'll remind us all that whether or not it's um we're not um reminiscing about any kind of imperial time you know the 19th century when we ruled a fourth of the world we're not doing that we have the fifth largest economy in the world, <laughs> you know, yeah, the fifth largest economy out of uh, about 196 states and two server ones, I think. Um, you know, that's pretty big. And when we are getting disrespected by um, Russia's part of the Security Council, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. When we're getting disrespected by a um, Security Council member, I think that isn't brilliant. And I think the best way to combat this is not directly but um, implicitly so we build up closer ties with culturally similar countries aka the commonwealth i think that is vital that we build up a really close um, relationship maybe with free trade but no european restrictions um, with our fellow Canadians and our Australians and Indians and uh, Jamaican so, and New Zealanders. So Django, finally, you've got a minute, less than that, to give me your one issue that you would bring that to, uh, if, if Brexit wasn't discussed in a day, uh, for a day, what issue do you think personally is most important to you that is facing Britain at this current time? Um, I'd say... Um, Possibly the most important issue, sorry, <laughs> um, it's probably uh, foreign relations, what I just said. I think it is important that we um, now build up our foreign, foreign diplomacies and um, our diplomatic missions overseas. Yeah, we're in safe okay, I, I'm going I'm I'm to challenge you on this. Don't you think also we should look at home relations as well? You know, we've got... A massive amount of poverty in the UK. We got people who can't afford to feed their families. Do you think by focusing for, uh, away from home, we're ignoring the problems at home? No, I wouldn't. I think it, it. What what we need to reflect on when we're talking about the when we're talking about. I think what we need. Sorry. Um, I think what we need to reflect on when we're talking about. Um, poverty and all the rest of it um is how um is have we gone to the situation where certain people are in such a situation that they can't afford to live basically which is poverty um and we need to realize okay so it was everyone cross party agrees it is austerity however I believe that we've gotten our um, uh, GDP per, per deficit. It was um, 
when we came into office and it's now below 3%, which is not at a critical level anymore. I think um, what we uh, will see over the next couple of years is austerity slowed down and reinvestment in our welfare state, which I think is an important step into um, releasing people from poverty. And we will hopefully see that in the next five years. So we finally decided to talk about the issue of religion in education. We wanted to make sure that we brought in a philosophical question, a question that may not necessarily be as topical as others. And we decided to discuss religion and whether it has a place in the classroom. So our final issue of today's episode is about religion in education. Now the reason why I bring this up is because uh, the Church of England recently, I think it was only yesterday, uh, uh, the 13th of November, released a document entailing about um, you know, how to deal with transgender students in Church of England schools, which triggered the question of the Church of England and educational establishment, uh, Church of England and other religious groups have control of many many a school in the UK. Do you think it's right for edu- for education to be controlled by religious groups? Tom, what do you think? I don't think it is. I think the foundation of a liberal democracy is the separation of religion from state. I think it's right to teach children with a religious perspective, which hasn't been decided by them. I think. Most religions agree that making the choice to follow a religion is a key part of it. As it says in the Bible, God has no grandchildren, which means... Oh, going full on RS. <laughs> uh, religion is not inherited. You can't be brainwashed or like born into a religion unless you choose for that to happen. So if we look at the French model, they have a secular society with a separation between church and state we are very integrated we have church of england bishops that sit in the house of lords we have uh, marriage ceremonies being performed within a church Um, so it's kind of ingrained in our culture and france has seen problems also with this kind of secular attitude when it comes to things like islam when it was criticized for uh, uh, issues on the burqa etc Django, what do you think? Do you think that education benefits from religious intervention? Because if we look at it, historically, education, when it first was kind of been given uh, for free, you know, given to people, to the masses, it was given by churches at Sunday school. That was their main outlet of education. Is it just a historical uh, continuation? Are we just kind of not we don't want to face up to the fact that religion doesn't have a place in education, or do you think it plays an important role? I don't believe it plays as vital a role as it did 300 years ago, say, in um, in Paris, uh, classic uh, French Revolution knowledge right here. Um, they, um, 60% of uh, Parisians could read um, by the time of the French Revolution, and that was due to... Um, the free schools provided by the church, the cl- um, the clergy, um, educating the masses. However, nowadays we don't need that. We have a state-funded education system, which does work um, actually quite really well. 
um, compared to other countries in the world. Um, and all in all, I don't. I think the problem that the the risk we have with having a church control um, education for say a school or anything, they could potentially. And I'm not blaming the Church of England for this but potentially indoctrinate children mm. into a way of thinking and not um, encourage free thought. And, um, it, you know, then there's the question of whether or not uh, primary school children even have much met free thought at all. But I think what's important is we allow them to um, develop individually and without the restraints of a um, philosophy that um, over the past hundred years has died down. And I think this is the same with any religion. I think it's the same with Islam as well. I so, don't think there should be Islamic schools. I don't mm. think there should be Christian schools. I think there should just be schools. So I come, so if I use my primary school background, I came, I went to a religious school. I went to a school that was Church of England. Um, you know, it was kind of liberal and, you know, but it was a very white dominated area with very white dominated pupil intake, very Christian intake. So if, well, there's many in your party, Django, in the Conservative Party that do believe in Christian education and believe that it gives people the right values. Um, but my question, you know, would you, if you were in government, would you, if you were advisor to Theresa May or to the Education Secretary, or to any member of the government, would you advise them to scrap Church of England schools or scrap um, religious educational establishments, or do you think you can put up with them? I think reform. I think um, to go from something where religious schools is so great in our societies and uh, great by the size, you know, um, I have several friends who went to um, religious primary schools, um, you know, to just say we're going to scrap them, you would be taking in so much on the education system um, that your funding would have to go up. It would be, um, it would would hurt my brain. I don't think um, scrapping it would work. And I think that was a good point you raised. They do teach good morals, but you can teach good morals in a state school. (laughs) You know, it's not limited to a church school. I know many of my party may um, disagree with me, but I do have my own opinions on this, and I don't believe church schools will be as relevant in the 21st century as the 20th century, and so their influence will die out and will take over the schools. So, Tom, you don't particularly like church being involved in education, uh, religion. So... With the crisis we have in government funding, you know, education is not being funded ad- compared to the to the levels compared to where it was, let's say, ten years ago under the Labour government. And you know, the whole point is we have a deficit and we have a large amount of debt. Do you think that education is a necessity for religion to have involvement in education? Because what it does is it gives. Uh, it releases the burden, as Django said, from other schools to because you know if we scrap them, that would cause a lot of um, burden on the education system. Do you think there are necessity um, for our current system, where you know money isn't going into education, to give uh, church schools, you know, give church authorities to build more schools 
because otherwise we wouldn't get any more schools and we wouldn't have enough school places. Wait, are church schools paid for by the government? Um, so they're partly government funded, but they also have funding, uh, in, you know, uh, by church schools. Now, for example, uh, the primary school I went to uh, was a local authority school, but now it's become an academy, a sponsored academy. And what what's happened is the um, so in Bristol you have the Bristol um, diocese of Bristol, where I where I used to live, where I live now. We have the diocese of Bath and Wales. And Bath and Wells took over the academy, uh, took over the school, and made a, an academy trust. So they take the burden from government, and they look after the school. I think there is no, I have no issue with a church paying for a school. Like, but you just said yeah. you have no issue with church paying for a school. But then again, yeah, but it being you a say, church school is the problem. I work in a primary school. And it is a religious school, but it is paid for by the government. And like a lot of the people I work with are incredibly influenceable. Is that a word? Influenceable. They could be influenced easily. Yeah, easily influenced. And I think to have like a single-minded religious authority telling them more or less what to think would be incredibly damaging. I think as it's Christian and most people have been brought up in a Christian community I don't think there's too much issue but when people think about foreign countries like Saudi Arabia or Yemen like church and state is intrinsically interlinked and they have large amounts of people going in their droves to become terrorists because religion is such an important part of their life when you have one person telling a group of children well, distorted from a young that religion. yeah it's not the majority but when you have one person telling a group of easily influenced young people what to think it's going to have damaging results well thank you very much for joining me I've been Jack Wilfan your uh, host for this podcast I've been joined here by Django Barry the conserv- conservative uh, member and also Thomas Jordan, who is just an independent voice with a very big opinion. Thank you very much.